0: God, we thank God. Come on, get on your feet, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles. We thank God here at Friendship, you get two greetings. We got one for the early crowd and one for the later crowd. Just how we do it around here. Amen, amen. We touch and feel it around here, y'all. We thank God for you. Thank you all, God, for you, all you joining online, those who are in the house for the very first time. We thank God oh so much for you, those that have been returning after some time. Glad to have you back in the house of the Lord. Amen. Something happens when the people of God gather together. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that something happens. And we thank God oh so much for you. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians, book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. When you get there, say amen. I'm reading from American Standard Version and the word of God says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort we ourselves are comforted by God for just at the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. So also our comfort is abundant through Christ. I want to preach this morning. I want to tag it with the title We'll Get Through This. Look at your neighbor's neighbor. We'll get through this. Oh, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, here we are. I thank you, God, for this mountaintop moment. I thank you, God, this sacred space and time that you've gathered together as a body of believers. We ask and pray, God, you would glorify yourself in us and through us and even in spite of us. We ask and pray, as I always do, Lord, God, at this hour, that, God, you would anoint me with your power at this very strategic hour that I may preach your word with and those who are lost may be found, and those who are confused may have clarity, and those who are hurting may be healed, and those who are blinded may see, and those who are weary, Lord God, may find more strength for the race. Lord, I thank you for this mountaintop moment. Thank you for the time we have. Be glorified in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I do pray. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We'll get through this. This past week, I was reading an article by this home interior designer. And she was at a wit's end when she started talking about the, the newfangled architectural design of the modern-day homes. She was totally opposed to it. And she was opposed to it because she said that the modern-day homes have lost one necessary domestic feature. What was that? Something called the front porch. Anybody here remember the front porch? Any front porch folks in the house today or in your house today, anybody remember the front porch? The front porch was the place when you spoke to people and then you wondered who you just spoke to. The front porch was the place in which you waved at folks and folks waved back at you. The front porch was the very place in which those, those older saints and, and those grown folks would sit there and drink tea and then spill the tea about everything and everybody in the city. The front porch was a place that long before there was ever Facebook and MySpace and Twitter and Twitch, and long before there was Instagram, there was the front porch. It was a place of communion, a place, a place of social interaction. But not anymore, according to her report. She says now, this new age we're in, nobody wants front porches. Nobody no longer wants to be engaged with people that they do not know. Right now, we don't use our homes as places to be welcoming. We use our place as a home as a place of escape. Now we want backyards. Backyard decks decks, backyard patios, backyard swings, everything in the backyard. Because yeah. the last thing we want to do is encounter anybody that we don't want to encounter. Yeah. So we scurry home in our cars and we hurriedly close the garage and hope nobody sees us as we're going in. And she said that the modern-day motto of backyard people is just leave me alone. And they don't want to have relationship no matter what the cost may be. I say, wait a minute. Because that may be the motto of backyard folks. But it can't be the motto of us as believers in Jesus Christ at Friendship Community Bible Church. We cannot have a mentality that tells people and shows people, leave me alone at all costs. That must never ooze out of our mouths or our lives. We cannot be a people who say, guess what? I don't want you around me. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to engage you. I don't want to see you. We can't have that mentality. We must be front porch folks when it comes to ministry. And we're available for anybody and everybody. Because when we are people who don't want to do life with people, the church has no power. When we have that mentality, the church has no intimacy. The church is not able to be encouraged in the time of discouragement. And the church has lost the reality that we have been created for relationships. Our identity is rooted and grounded in relationships. God said back in Genesis 2, 18, it's not good for man to be alone because he created us to be in relationships. That whenever you and I are not in relationships, that guess what? We cease to be who God called to be. We become inhuman. But today a new day. And the day I came to declare. I'm starting a new sermon series. And the sermon series is simply entitled. We're better together. Because that's the truth. At the body of Christ. We're better when we are together. When the body of Christ. Is tied up. Tangled up. Twisted up. Together, we are better. Better regardless of our race. Better regardless of our age. Regardless of of our educational acumen. Regardless of our success or stupidity. When we are together, we are better. And Jesus said it right. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we are together. So today I'm telling you, That since we're together and we're trying to grow closer together, we can get through this. Whatever your this may be and my this, we can get through it together. Paul pens this great epistle. Paul is credited with 13 New Testament epistles. But in all those epistles, there's something about this epistle that I just like. In my hierarchy, I got to put this one here. Because in this epistle, Paul is an apostle under attack. They've attacked his character. They've attacked him in terms of his authority, in terms of his message. They've attacked him over and over and over again. And when Paul writes this epistle under attack, what I love about it is that Paul does not hide behind his theology. He does not hide behind his title. He does not hide behind his training in Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. He doesn't hide. He comes out full center and he shares this epistle is an epistle of the bearing of the soul. He showed them and tells them, I'm not okay, but I'm going to be okay. Do we have any I'm not okay folks in the house today who are willing to be honest before God and declare, I'm not okay. Where you at, friendship? Where you at? I'm, you don't have to be okay to be in this church. he writes this epistle. Bare. Not holding back. Not trying to worry about people's perspectives and peer pressure and platitudinal statements. He just shares his heart in this epistle. And he starts out in verse 3 with a proclamation of praise. Bless it. Praise the name of the Lord. Eulogates is a word. From which we get our english word eulogy he begins by eulogizing god it means to speak well of him to praise to put some praise on his name put some respect on his name praise blessed be god in the midst of humiliation criticism critique ambushes attacks, blessed be the name of the lord And look what he does! But the head-scratching for me, Reverend Eddie, was the fact that he lists three titles for our one God. Now walk with me for a minute. Open your Bibles for a minute. Look what he does first. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop right there. If Jesus is God, how can He have a God? Huh? Maybe you ain't thought about it. Don't just read by that. So I dug a little bit and I realized something. That when he says, blessed be the God and Father Lord Jesus Christ, that in Jesus' humanity and his submission, that God was an authority over him. That's why when he hung out on Calvary's cross in Matthew 27, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's under the submission and the authority of God. But also in his deity, he's also God. So in Jesus' deity, the second person of the Godhead, the Father is always the Father, and the Son is always the Son, but He just as God, as much as God is God. That's why he says the Father. He's his Father. You remember in John 5, 17 and 18? These these leaders are now attacking Jesus about the Sabbath. And Jesus says, wait a minute, let me just tell y'all something right now. My father is working and I am working too. And they knew what Jesus was saying because they said that not only is Jesus messing up on the Sabbath, he's also blaspheming by making himself equal to God. Jesus was declaring his deity. So in his humanity, he's under God. But in his deity, he's right there with God. So he's a God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not all. He's a father of mercies. Mercies means that he hurts when you hurt. He feels what you feel. Some say compassion, that, he, that, that he's there, he, 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 he's, a, he's a source of it. There is no compassion, no mercy apart from God. He's the originator of it. He's the source of it. It all stems from God. But then he uses a title that we never heard used before, the God of all comfort. Now, wait a minute. And when he says comfort, he's not talking about Uh, A pillow, a remote in your right hand, and chocolate chip cookies. No. This comfort has nothing to do with your eating. This comfort is about your strengthening. Paraclete is the word. It's the idea of one that comes alongside. He's saying that God comes alongside in your time of sorrow and suffering, and he strengthens you. He's the God of all comfort. He comes and comforts you, strengthens you in your time of need. So we got three titles for our one God. And I wondered why, Paul, why would you choose three about our one God? The reason being is simply this. What he's going through, he's going through sorrow, suffering, hurt, and pain. And he now accesses the names of God that's appropriate to his situation. He knew so many names of God, but he said, this is the one I need right now. He said, I need a God who's a God and the father of Jesus Christ. I need a God right now who has mercy that overflows, that are new every morning. I need a God right now to comfort me in my time of chaos, And he pulled down all three and used them because that's what he needed right now. I'll shout by myself. And I'm telling somebody today, you got to learn to claim the name of God in your time of need. You got to claim the name you need right now. You know where you are. You know what you need. Claim the name of God right here and right now. One of the first real jobs I ever got, I had a whole lot of jobs coming up that I did not get paid for, but that's another sermon. And a family issue. But one of the first real jobs I got was working at a lake. I was a, I was a beautification specialist. In other words, I was on the cleaning crew. That's okay. It's a job. I'm young. And I'm going to apply for the job. Got my application. Got my best pair of pants on, Mr. Earl. Got my start shirt on. Got to look good. Got to look right. Say, dress for the job you want. Got my speech right. I'm going to tell this man all about my goals, aspirations, and dreams. And about how I'm going to college. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a basketball superstar. And I'm going to be great. And so, so, so I want him to know that, in fact, you're know, you making an investment in fooling with me. And so I'm doing all these. I got all my stuff together. I can't wait to go. So I drive out to, to that lake and I'm getting ready to talk to this man. That man cares nothing about none of that. He ain't to see my paper. Here's what he asks me. Who are your people? <laughs> then he says this. You know Ruby Piper? Ruby Piper? That's my grandmother. You Ruby Boy. I'm Ruby Boy. And when he said you know Ruby Piper? I said, I claimed her name. (laughs) I got excited about her name. I depended on her name. And guess who got the job, y'all? The doors of employment flew open. All because there's power in the name of Ruby Piper. I tell you today, that ain't just true about my grandmother. It's true about our great and mighty God. I came to ask somebody today, Who's your daddy? And if you know your daddy, you ought to claim his name, stand on his name, depend on his name. His name is Jesus. He's a great and mighty God, and I give him glory. I give him praise. Claim that name. There's something about that name. Claim the name. God has a corresponding name for every issue in your life. I got Bible on it. In Exodus 3, Moses said, what should I tell them? What should I tell them? They ain't going to believe me. They ain't seen me in 40 years. Tell them I am since you. Go down there and claim my name. In Exodus 15, we find that they're now admiring and they're, and they're complaining about the water because the water is bitter. Admire! And the Bible said that God turned that, that bitter water into sweet water. And then he said, claim my name! John chapter 11, Mary and Martha fit to be tied because Jesus didn't come when Lazarus was sick. Fit to be tied, didn't come for the funeral. Fit to be tied, didn't come for the repast. Fit to be tied, And now here he comes four days later because Jesus wanted to teach Mary and Martha something about his name. He wanted to learn that when your Lazarus died, And you bury your Lazarus And you think that life is over I am the resurrection And the life And I can make your Lazarus Oh my goodness, I'm a shot up in here I can make your Lazarus Rise again I'm the resurrection and the life Claim that name The Bible says In Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower And the righteous run into it, and they are saved. I came to ask you today: Do you have your running shoes on? Are you running to His name? Anybody running up in hell, run to His name, Jehovah Jireh. I'm running to Your name, Jehovah Shalom. I'm running. To your name, run to his name. He's worthy to be praised and he wants to be chased and he wants to be praised. You gotta learn to claim the name of the Lord in your situation. What name are you claiming? Claim it, claim it. Claiming, appropriate his character, his conduct, because he's in charge. There's something about that name that gets sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why? But why? God comforts us, verse 4, in all our affliction. Afflictions. Philipsis is the word. It has two connotations. One is that when someone was being hammered for his misdeeds, they put weight on their chest like concrete slabs or bags of heavy dirt and crushed them. Or it's also the idea of dealing with the winemaker who would take the very grapes, the sweet nectar of the vine, and crush them. So Paul is saying that when when God crushes us, he comforts us. Write that down. To the crush he comforts. God's near to the brokenhearted and saved those that are crushed in spirit, the Bible says. He comforts us in all of our afflictions. It means that God allows you to breathe again. Somebody inside of my voice, you ain't breathed in two years, four years, six years, eight years, 10 years. You hadn't breathed. It's time to breathe again. Somebody online. It's time to breathe again. You haven't breathed in a mighty long time. God wants you to breathe again, to live again, to open your curtains again, to walk with God again, to breathe again. I know you've been here. You've been here a long time, but you ain't breathing a long time. You have not exhaled and not exhaled all you're going through because you forgot that God is a comforter in the midst of our crushing. He'll let you breathe again. But why would God ever do that? It's in the text. He comforts us. So we'll be what? To comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort that we're comforted by God. Don't miss this. Paul is saying that God comes through for us. God comforts us in our sorrow, our sickness, our sufferings, in our difficult days, not so we can say, Hey, look at me, but we can help others say, Hey, look at him. Yeah. 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 It means that that when God comforts you and comforts me, which means strengthens us, he doesn't do that simply for your enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. He also does it for your employment. That when God does this for us and through us, that God does not do it. He takes the mess and the misery of your life and outfits you for ministry in somebody else's life. Still don't get through. God wants to make us, you and I, paraclete like people who come alongside of people in their time of pain, sorrow, and loss. God wants you to reciprocate the resources, reciprocate the deliverance that he gave to you. So it ain't about you only feeling good. Somebody else got to feel good too. But to feel good comes through you, me, and us. It's not a one-way street which means there's a silver lining to your suffering. What does all that mean? You got to choose to give away what God has given to you. If if, if we're going to get through this, you got to give away what God has given to you. There's a ministry in OKC, Oklahoma City. It's a ministry to homeless people. But it's a a unique ministry because it's a ministry of bicycles. They give bicycles to homeless people. And they give them the bicycle because homeless people need to travel also. And here's the part about it. They give them to them free of charge. And the people use the bikes. And they even find jobs. Many have gone and found apartments, found jobs, even found cars. But here's the shouting part for me. Is that after they have found their jobs, guess what they do? They take the old bicycle and take it back to the ministry. And now they, they give, the, give it back to the ministry that somebody else may be able to ride the bike they used to ride. That they can pedal their way to freedom. They take the bike back because they got lifted up and lifted out. They go back and let go of the old bicycle. They turned around and blessed somebody else. Hey, friendship, come on and go with me. Because if the truth be told, God has lifted you up. Anybody been lifted up? There have been some days in your life when you were hurting, it was hard and you were almost homeless if not homeless. And yet the Lord showed up in a mighty way. And now That God has lifted you up out of living on your mama's sofa and lifted you up out of working 14 jobs and making $15. Has lifted you up out of riding the bus and now you're about to buy a Bentley. Now God has lifted you up It becomes your responsibility, my responsibility to go back and let go of our bicycles to be able to bless somebody else. As the body of Jesus Christ and friendship, it's our calling to bless somebody else. I know you're a big baller and a shot caller, but that's not the issue. Somebody else needs to be balling and shot calling too because of your ministry in their lives. Go back and bless somebody else. You got to give away what God gave to you. I got Bible on it. Because the Bible says in Luke 22 that Jesus is talking to Simon Peter in verse 31 and 32. And he says, Simon, Simon, look at here. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. I thought Jesus would have said, I told him no. But Jesus says, I have prayed for you. And watch the text in verse 32. And he says, and when you have turned, when you've turned around, when you came to your senses, when you repented and came back, he says what? When you've turned around, go back and strengthen your brother's Don't let it hang on your mantle. Don't let it hang in your lap. There's a man, there's a woman, there's a boy or a girl that needs your strengthening with the strength you got from God. It means to give it away. Oh my goodness. Somebody understand that right here in your circle of influence, right here in this ministry, right here on your road, There's somebody right now who needs your strengthening. They need your ministry. Somebody that's sitting beside you, that's dressed just like you. They need you to help them through their grief. Somebody needs you to help them with encouragement. Somebody needs you to sit by their side and you don't have to have all the answers. Somebody needs you to take the initiative and stop telling folks, if you need me, call me. Ain't nobody calling you. When you see the need, meet the need. Don't wait for a phone call. Oh, I shout by myself. Go and take care of them right here and right now. Somebody needs what you have, what God gave to you. Give to them. Oh, Pastor Hammer, wait a minute, Pastor Hammer, wait a minute. You understand, Pastor Hammond? Oh, Pastor Hammond, I ain't been through what they've been through. I ain't lost no child. I ain't lost no spouse. I ain't lost my perfect health. I ain't lost no jobs. Oh, so, 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 I can't do that, Pastor Hammond. See, that's the fallacy and the misconception about ministry. Because what Paul is saying, he's not saying that you have to go through what they've been through. All he's saying, if you ever had a time of need and God showed up in your life and comforted you, that qualifies you to comfort somebody else. Because the story ain't about you. You're not the star of the story. The story is about God. And the same God... That comforted me will comfort you. Stop saying I'm not qualified. You are qualified because the God of all comfort has qualified you. So help somebody else. (laughs) Which means this friendship Hold your britches. Don't waste your pain. Everything in your life is ordained by God, by the sovereignty of God, even the sorrow in your life. And many times we privatize our pain. Many times we internalize our pain. But God wants you to take the pain that you have to use to be a blessing to somebody else. Don't waste your pain. You got pain that somebody needs. You got sorrow that somebody needs. You got suffering that somebody needs. You got shame that somebody needs. You got heartache that somebody needs. You got sleepless nights and long days that somebody needs. And you must, you must, you must, you must decide that I'm not going to waste this pain. Because somebody need to know that God is our refuge and strength. Our present help in a time of trouble. Somebody needs to know that you can lift your eyes to the hills, which come with your help. Because we got a helper who don't slumber and he don't sleep. He don't need no dose. He don't need Starbucks coffee to keep him up at night. We got a God who don't slumber and don't sleep. And he'll watch your going out and your coming in. We got a God who said the sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. We got a God who said I'll protect you from all men of evil. Uh, We got a God that promises I am by your side. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not walk. We got a God that promises that guess what? That late in the midnight hour I can turn things around. We got a God that says I knew you before you knew yourself. We got a God that says from everlasting to everlasting I am God. There's no term limit on my reign. I am God all by myself. Somebody needs to know that the words of Jesus was not a lie. When Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Anybody know anything about rest? Then give God praise. Give God glory. Give God praise. God wants to use the sorrow in your life For service right now. You ain't got to be all right. Because he's all right. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Yeah. Oh, Pastor Hamilton. I can't do that. That's hard. You trying to minimize my pain? You trying to tell me to snap out of it? You don't know what I feel. You don't know who I lost. You don't know how I lost. Not at all. The Lord understands grief and grieving. Yes, he allows us to have tear ducts. Yes. He grieved himself. Yes. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Yes. I would have gathered a hen, gathered chickens, you wouldn't let me. Yes. Then by Lazarus too and cries like a baby. Grieves. God saw creation, that he created the Bible in Genesis, and it broke his heart and grieved him the condition of man. So he sent a flood. You ain't the first one to grieve. But you got to grieve right, not wrong. What the Bible is saying is hard. You know why it's hard? Because the adversary know that you are a threat to his plan and plots. That if the adversary can keep you negated into your sorrow and your suffering, then it also negates you from service. And so when he tells you that life is over, life ain't worth living, I'm done, he removes you from the resource of God. And now all you have is your resource. Which is inadequate, he knows that. We're not ignorant of his schemes. The I just don't know. Paul knew that. So he says in verse 5, as the sufferings of Christ, he's not suffering for sin, he's suffering because he served the Lord, are ours in abundance. The word abundance means a whole lot. Overwhelming. Too much to bear. He's he's saying that we got stuff on our plate, like stuff on your plate, that just seem like a whole lot. More than you can imagine. It seems like phone call after phone call, email after email. That is always just seems like there's something else. Who's on the list today? What's the issue today? What's the situation today? How many black suits must I buy? It's always something else. So it is in this life. In this life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have pressure. You're going to have stresses. Gonna be caught in the crucible at the crossroads of sorrow and suffering. But look what he says: as the abundance of suffering comes in, also the abundance of comfort comes in. Don't miss that. Paul is saying in verse 5 that so also, that just as we feel overloaded, overwhelmed, and a mismatch for all the trials and troubles and travails and traumas in our lives. He's in the very same way. God ushers in. God sends from heaven also comfort. That the comfort usurps, usurps what your condition may be. That he sends out an abundant of comfort. In other words, the comfort of God always one-ups the comfort of your situation. That no matter how much it, it flows into your life, God will send comfort, Holy Ghost comfort. To flood your life. When it flows, he floods. When it flows, he floods. When it flows, he floods. He floods your life with strength and comfort. That when you couldn't get out of bed, you out of bed. When you couldn't brush your teeth, you brush your teeth and your hair. When you didn't feel like telling anybody what's going on in your life, you done told everybody. When you said, I'm going to keep it to myself, you couldn't keep it to yourself. Because God overflowed your, what you were going through. Which means what, preacher? It means you must always count on the Lord to come through. That you ain't by yourself. This God who we serve, he will and he does. He always comes through. Because God has the last move. God always had the last move. Don't you ever doubt that. God has the last move. I know circumstance, situation, even Satan made a move, but God has the last move. And don't you ever forget that in your life. This ain't over yet. God still has another move. Let me get to my house because I'm just reminded of the story about the two men that I heard many, many, many years ago about the two men who were in France visiting the Louvre Somebody don't even know what the Louvre is it's this great architecture museum and they're in there watching this great painting because they were connoisseurs of painting and as they're watching these great paintings there's a painting on the wall that's entitled Chick Made I'm told and in this painting on the wall there are these two these two opponents one is a man and one is the devil and the devil is sitting there as if he knows that he has this young man in checkmate, which means game is over. He's arrogant. He's self-filled within himself. He know he has it. But the connoisseurs who were there at the museum knew art and knew it well. And he stared at it, and he stared at it, and he stared at the pieces that were on the chessboard. And he said, go get the curator. Something's wrong with this picture. This picture ain't right. What's wrong with the picture, and who are you? He said, the picture's not right. Why not? He said, because I've been watching the pieces. And, 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 and this thing says, checkmate, but I'm a great chess player. And I realized that, guess what? Satan does not have the man in checkmate, that there's still another move on the table. And he said, I realized that if he would follow my instruction, that the king still has one more move. So he's not in checkmate, and you don't lose, you win, because the king has one more move. Let me get out of here, friendship. I came to tell somebody today, you might feel like in your life that you are in checkmate. You might feel like you've lost and it's over, but the great king that we serve, the great God of heaven and earth, he has one more move. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? You are not in checkmate. You lost a lot and you'll lose more, but it's not Checkmate because God has one more move. We serve a God of one more move. Am I right about it? Anybody ever heard? Anybody ever heard of Good Friday? On Good Friday, it looked like checkmate. It looked like Jesus was done and out for the count. But the king had one more move because early Sunday morning, Don't know what time it was, but early Sunday morning he rose with all power in heaven and on earth because he always had one more move. Go to sleep tonight and tell yourself God has one more move. Go to work tomorrow and tell yourself, God has one more move. Gather your children who are crying and worried and tell them, don't you cry, don't you worry, because God has one more move. Thank God that is not out of move. What a mighty God we serve. And you ought to make a move too by giving God praise, giving God glory for being the God of one more move. We will, we will get through this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his name. Yeah. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. One more move. One more move. He's a God of all comfort. Claim that name. He's the God of all comfort. Choose to give back what God gave to you. He's the God of all comfort. Count on God always coming through. It ain't over. It ain't over. Till God says it's over. We're getting stronger, we're getting better. For this church to be mighty and to be great. We can't have casual relationships. We got to move to committed relationships. You got to care for the man, the woman, the boy, and girl who's in your circle. When church is over, your ministry time ought to begin. You can't just run out of here and go watch a football game. You ought to stand around and go talk to somebody. Where well, ain't nobody talking to me. You go talk to them and find somebody who you normally don't. There's a lot of new people at this church that you don't even know. They don't know you. Go meet them. Go talk to them. And here's, invite them to your house. We got to make the next move. We can't just be Sunday attendees. We got to be life engagers. There are young couples in this church. Young couples, young married couples who need couples with them. They about to kill each other. There's some old couples in this church who already kill each other, it like. They need somebody too. There's a bunch of unmarried people in this church, and I'm glad that you're here, who need community too, and not just you try to hook them up with your crazy cousin. They don't want your crazy cousin. You know he's crazy. We got some young youth in this church, young boys, young girls, that need community. Can't just be their mom and daddy church, gotta be their church, but we gotta treat them as if, as if they value and they matter. I'm calling us to pull down the water pretension and protocol and let's make this thing about people yeah they're gonna get on your nerves yeah they're gonna misread you yeah yeah they're They're the same thing you were but God has comforted you now you comfort them we got to learn how to maintain through the mess stop letting mess run you off learn to reconcile with somebody forgive somebody be patient with somebody. Pray with somebody. Pray for somebody. I was telling a preacher a couple of weeks ago, when, whenever we do funerals, the funeral ain't just about that service. It's about from the time that you hear somebody die and what you do, you're being with them. It's about the time in which we come and have a funeral. It's about, it's, it's about the actual repast. We ain't just eating chicken and stuff. We, we fellowship. We talk. We're there. And when everybody go home, the church will still be the church. Because we all rush in that weekend. And then we all rush out on Monday. And need you for life. Not just for a Saturday. This church has got, and if you don't want that kind of church, I understand, but I pity you. Because that ain't biblical Christianity. That is unbiblical, me-ism Christianity. We're going to Struggle together we're gonna fight sometime don't get angry sometime. We're gonna say I quit sometime I'm changing churches. I thought about changing churches too You ain't the only one You ain't the only one hurt my hurt my feeling And could have changed churches, but God called me here. He called me to friendship and I'm glad that he did I'm glad that he did. This is where I belong. So I'm saying, friendship, we're better together. And thought this whole month of November, i to be preaching, teaching, praying, talking, and walking about us being better together. God does something in unity that he would never do in this unity. and I want the best I want the best for your house, for this house and in my house so let me give this invitation and we're going to pray somebody inside of my voice you need to be this savior this God who is God and man in Jesus Christ I want to offer you the opportunity to meet Jesus Christ that you can live. That you can live. He wants you to live. But in order to live, you gotta have forgiveness of your sins. You gotta receive him as your savior. He knows what you've done and how you did it, why you did it. That ain't it. You're he knows about your sin. He's asking, What will you do about your sin? If you will repent, believe in him, and turn around from living based on your own faith in yourself to put your confidence and trust in him, you can be born again. So today, when you come to Christ, please, ma'am, please, sir, you're not saved. You're not, you're not sure. You say, Yeah, you go to church, you've been baptized, you know a whole lot of phrases, you got Bibles. You pray, but you ain't really sure you're saved. You don't know what that word it means to be delivered, to be rescued from danger, harm. You're not sure where you stand with God. You've been trying to keep your fingers crossed, you've been trying to try hard to do better. Better is never sufficient because better is not perfect. Today, God loves you as you are. And love you too much to leave you as you are. Will you come to Christ today? Will you get out of your seat and say, Lord, I give you me. I give you me. Warts, wounds, and all. I don't care what's in your pocket. I don't care what's in your head. All I don't care about what's in your heart. Will you come to Christ? Will you join Christ right here, right now? Oh, Lord's calling you to friendship, a place to begin again, a church home, a church family, because you do need to begin again. Will you say yes to friendship? I want to join this church right here, right now. I'm tired of checking it out. I'm tired of auditing this ministry. I'm acting like I am a part of the membership, but I'm really not. You've never crossed the line of commitment. You're a casual attendee. God wants to bring you closer to the fire. You got something to give. I want you to give it here friendship. When you join friendship, place to begin again. When you get out of your seat, I want to join this church. I want to join this church right here, right now. Is there one or more right here, right now? I want to join this church. Third invitation to the body that believes in friendship I want to pray with you will you please stand and for those of you who are able and willing today needs to be an altar day you can make your way to this altar for those who can and those who will make your way to this altar those who are willing make your way to this altar agree with me we're all apart the song says I need you you need me I know that a lot of our distance has been because of the COVID pandemic but a lot of us were, had a, a distance approach to relationship before COVID and the Lord's trying to call us the closest we are a multi-generational church and we should be because the family got every generation in it older, younger, everything in between and I thank God for every one of them but there's some work we gotta do to labor, to love, to lift, to bear one another's burdens, pray without ceasing. The Bible says when one grieves, we all grieve. And when one party, we all party. God's got to get us there. So I want you to pray just for your openness to be obedient to what God says. Just pray. God, I, w- I want to be in relationships. I want to give what you gave to me. I want to do it scared I've been hurt but I want to do it just pray and then I'll close this out before I pray some of you online God's calling you back to the assembly of believers and only you know who the Holy Spirit tell you who I don't know who I'm even talking to. So I am no one in mind but God's calling you back because you got something to give and you can't stand miles states countries away and just get a word you got to do something with the word you've got in this church Father in the name of Jesus we stand around this altar as a symbol of our neediness and our unity You said if we call, you'd answer and tell us great and mighty things that we do not know. Father, there are so many adversarial spirits to a message like this, to a calling like this. We've so much privatized our pain. We we so much have internal. We hold grudges. We hold hurts. We keep in our memory banks. And we traffic in circles that are only safe from our perspective. We don't trust you, God, with our hurt. We don't trust you, God, with people in our lives. And so, God, because we navigate our own lives and we're just trying to be happy. And yet, God, you call to be holy. And so I'm asking you, God, to help us. To help us, God, to reach, to minister, to share, to touch, to be open, to be able to bring all of our cares and concerns to you and believe, God, and Lord, you can mature us. We pray for maturity in this house. That, God, whether you're younger or you're older, and everything in between, that this will be a place, God, where your presence resides and there's an awe in this house because you are with us, Lord God. We pray for your Shekinah glory to dwell and manifest in this place. We pray, God, in our relationships in our heart, that those boundaries that we have set and those walls we have erected, that, God, you will pull them down, God. No pretension in this church. No platitudinal statements in this church no no more Lord God looking like we're okay we know that we're tore up from the floor up I'm asking God today that you would set the captives free and that God there'll be liberty in this house you say where well, the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty that there be liberty in our house give us a friend we haven't had a friend in years. give us a confidant we haven't had a confidant in a year give us a prayer partner we have had prayer partner give us somebody God that we can go to and confess we've sinned against you we've sinned against God forgive us and let us have the same testimony Lord God and what Joseph had when he said when you meant for evil God turned it and used it for good and now I gotta help you I'm committed to you I love you you're my brother you're my sister and I love you help us God in this house And in our house, God, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise, Lord God. Help us, God, to be better together. I praise you. I thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I do pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Give God praise. Give God glory. Give God glory. Give somebody a fist bump. Give somebody a hug on your way back to your seat. Oh thank God, thank God, thank God. I need you, 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 I need. You, I, need you. I pray for you. You pray.